0: Welcome to the Swine Health Black Belt Podcast, the latest swine health research digested for you. Swine Health Black Belt Podcast is only possible with the support and trust of innovative companies like Ska Ventilation and Management Solutions, made for farmers by farmers since 1966. Beringer Ingelheim, through innovative solutions, cutting-edge research, and world-class experts, Beringer Ingelheim helps producers operate with complete confidence. Learn more at swineresource.com. At JBI, we apply biosecurity innovation and expertise to keep your operations safe.
1: My name is Dr. Clayton Johnson. I'm your host, and I'm excited to introduce you to today's episode. Joining us is Dr. Andrea Aruda, an assistant professor with the Ohio State University College of Veterinary Medicine. Dr. Aruda, welcome to the podcast. Please give an introduction to the audience.
2: Uh, Hello, Dr. Uh, Clayton Johnson. Thank you so much for having me here today. A little introduction about me. I uh, graduated as a DVM from Brazil uh, back in 2010. After that, I decided to follow an academic career, Uh, went to Minnesota to complete a master's and uh, really got drawn into epidemiology. Uh, So I went ahead and went up to Canada to do a PhD, uh, which I completed in 2015 at the University of Guelph. Uh, I then uh, decided to go back to Minnesota um, because apparently Canada wasn't cold enough for me. Uh, (laughs) And I completed a postdoc uh, with Dr. Morrison at the University of Minnesota. That was 2016. I then got my current job here at OSU as an assistant professor, and um, my main job here is to teach epidemiology for uh, DVM students and do research, and a lot of it is focused in swine, biosecurity, and PERS.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, you you and I have had kind of similar career timelines and uh, I've had the joy of watching you kind of not only develop at each step of the career, but also um, publish and contribute information. And I know you have worked for some some legends in our industry in terms of biosecurity knowledge. You you mentioned Dr. Morrison, but I know um, many others at the University of Minnesota have been uh, a heavy influence. I wanna talk to you today, Andrea, about biosecurity. We often talk about biosecurity for our, you know, our big systems, and and I think our big systems are very aware of the need for biosecurity, but we also highlight the gap with small producers and and maybe uh, niche situations, hobby farms like show pig farms. I know you've been doing some work recently there to try and fill that gap, to try and bring that knowledge not just to the the big systems, but to those other small producers. Can you talk to us a little bit about your work there and what you're trying to accomplish?
2: Sure. Um, yeah, with the African swine fever threat in the U.S., uh, we've been really focusing on preparedness all the way from preventing a disease to get in a herd. So a lot of biosecurity, thinking critically about what people are doing in their farms, all the way to the population. So we've been doing a lot of research in that area here at Ohio State Uh, And exactly one of the gaps that we found was that there's a lot going on for the larger production systems and the bigger producers. They usually uh, sometimes they even have a biosecurity manager so there are people paying attention to that. They reach out to us very frequently with, uh, you know, advice or to troubleshoot biosecurity. Um, But we don't see a lot going on with the smaller producers or independent producers and even with the show pigs as well. So I feel a little lucky that I'm here in Ohio. And in Ohio, we have a huge industry for both things. We do have not only large production companies, but also smaller producers. And we also have a pretty active pig industry. Uh, so what we decided to do this past summer uh, was to have some DVM students engaged and uh, helping us with uh, actually bringing more biosecurity awareness and helping pig producers, specifically completing some biosecurity plans. Um, so we were also lucky that we have a pretty good team here that already do a lot of educational work with youth and uh, show peak exhibitors. Uh, so they go, they've go; they been going for, I would say, about a decade to uh, jackpot shows across the U.S., and they've been working a lot with kids. So, so teaching them from a very young age, sometimes we see, you know, three, four-year-olds there in our booth. Uh, learning about disease spread, learning about biosecurity, making their little biosecurity buckets. So we we thought, well, that's a great opportunity. Let's put a booth right next to that. And while the kids are learning, we will take the parents and we're going to talk to the parents about foreign animal diseases, ASF. Can they recognize, you know, the the clinical signs if needed? Are they concerned about it? And how do uh, biosecurity plans help them in the case of an emergency? Uh, So we went to two big shows this year uh, with uh, some of the students, and we we just started engaging with people, talking to them as they were coming around our booth. Uh, Again, we're very lucky that we already had this successful program going on, so we already had access to people that were interested. And uh, we actually went all the way to create a simpler plan so they can get started. So we talked about their sites. We had a printer on site. We had printed their maps and they were really excited about it. They were showing us their facilities and, and we were kind of, you know, starting to discuss where would you put a, a cleaning station in, in this area? And we, we learned a lot and, and we think they did too. So that's a little bit of what we did this summer.
1: That's excellent. Um, I find it fascinating that you're you're able to to educate and communicate with both um, the children population, the, the kids that presumably are showing the pigs to the show, but then also the adult population. And I think that's wonderful because the children you can educate them for life, right? You can make them more educated adults eventually. And the adults probably are the decision makers. They are probably the ones that if uh, if if some a small producer is going to have a biosecurity plan, they're going to be the one that gets it to the finish line. Can you talk a little bit about the different approaches you maybe take with those populations? Um, and maybe it's the same, but if you do take a different approach, what's different between the adults and the kids? And if, if not, what are the common themes that you see working with both of those populations?
2: Yeah, that's that's a really interesting question. One of the things that we learned is that both populations are really visual learners. So I think we had a questionnaire, but as I said, we had a printer on site as well. I think that looking at their facility on the map, whether they were children or adults or, you know, that 18-year-old kind of range, they were really excited about showing us how everything worked on the farm. So I think this kind of visual learning aspect of it is helpful for both populations, uh, the other thing that we learned was that kids can have a lot of influence on their parents. So we saw some kids coming forward doing their other activities, which obviously were age appropriate and a bit different, but they were telling their parents to come over and say, hey, these guys have something interesting here. I want to help them do this map." So I think that we sometimes underestimate the influence that kids have on their parents because the parents will hear and they most times came and say, OK, what's up? And then we got them convinced in some cases uh, but yeah, with kids, we just start simpler, right? So now we're developing some kind of Lego toy like with fences and to, to talk about things like perimeter buffer areas and cleaning stations. Mm-hmm. And again, some of the things you just learned, oh, you need a disinfection station. Oh, this guy's already, you know, their pigs already take baths because they show them they want them to look pretty. So what a convenient thing for biosecurity, right? They already have water access right on site in a location close to the truck. So some of those things, again, we were learning a lot as well. Uh, but yeah, for the parents, I think the, the way to approach this would be don't overthink. Because I think kids are, I think they're natural learners. They want to learn, you know, they want to absorb a lot. Parents sometimes are like, I am, you know, I'm exhausted. I have so many things to do. You know, like, be brief. What do you want from me? So I think we need to take a more, like, I'm going to simplify your life approach when it comes to parents. While kids are obviously more open, they have more time, and and they're there kind of hanging out and, and having fun.
1: I know even for big systems, it can be daunting the amount of work we've put into ASF preparedness there's secure pork supply, there's Ag View. there's the new SHIP program, and I know I'm missing three or four other big programs that the JBI industry is invested in. Um, fight d- do you lean mostly on D7 secure pork supply when you're talking about a biosecurity plan, or do you incorporate any of, any of those outcomes, other kind of newer ASF preparedness items, or which ones transport. connect with that population? Safe and effective against
2: PDA, Yeah, that's another excellent PRR, point, S- and I think PRR, PDA, the lessons we learned this summer was that we need to meet people where they are. Within in this population, we have people that have two pigs. So in those cases, simpler you know, questionnaires or simpler maps worked really, really well. Uh, for other cases, we had people that had 600 sows and they were selling semen for for show pig exhibitors. So in that case, uh, we can go a little farther. So we did try to use the Secure Product Supply framework for, for all of these. Having said that, we did have to adapt quite a bit. Uh, The secure pork supply uh, framework as is, is very much uh, leaning towards bigger, larger producers. So a lot of the questions didn't make sense for the people that had, you know, two pigs seasonally. So they have them in in only a few months of the year. Um, So I would say we followed that for the majority of our our resources. Uh, But again, some of those visuals, pictures, Um, And sometimes things translated to a different language. Those were really helpful uh, from all of the different uh, resource uh, sources that you've mentioned.
1: I know you've worked with big producers as well, Andrea. Um, Do you feel like the show pig uh, producers that you interacted with were just as interested and just as willing to engage with big producers? Or do you think that um, it did take more effort than with a bigger producer that maybe has more economically at stake with an ASF type situation?
2: Uh, I think our perception was that it's uh, commercial and larger producers have heard about it more. So it's easier for them to understand the needs because they can't really stop their business. Right. Continuity of business is so important to them uh, that they they're very driven to get it done. Uh, With the show pig um, uh, industry, what we found is that we need to explain them a little bit more. How would that affect them? Right. Mm -hmm. So we have to talk about, well, your animals maybe need. We may need to euthanize your animals. That's for some of those people, a big driver for saying, okay, I'll I'll do it. I want to prevent uh, that kind of thing. For some others are the business aspect of it as well. So you can't sell semen. You can't attend shows, right? We're going to have an outbreak. Yeah, everything's going to stop. Eventually, we hope things will go back to normal. We will resume. Do you still want to go to shows? Absolutely, they can, right? This is a family tradition. So for some people, you had to go that extra step. So I think there's a lot of behavioral theories uh, involved on learning what motivates people. Uh, but I would say, you know, you got people uh, from the show pig industry just as engaged as the commercial, large, large commercial population. So I think it's really just understanding what are their motivations and meeting them where they are.
1: Andrea, if, if there are show pig people or hobby producers or even a commercial producer who's listening to this and they say, I don't know what secure pork supply Plan is. I don't know what these acronyms you're talking about are. Do you have any recommendations of something they can do before the next jackpot or before the time they see your booth? Is there are there, you know, um, websites or something, anything remotely that your team at Ohio State makes available that, they, that you can share with them right now that they can go and look at?
2: Yeah, absolutely. We've been uh, sharing my email so we can share that at the podcast here. They can email me for resources. Uh, We will probably be doing a lot of other uh, things around Ohio and, and maybe nationally as well next year, next summer. Uh, but, yeah, we've been meeting with people. Uh, we've been talking over the phone. We can set up Zoom uh, if that helps or just send them easy resources that they can use. So, yeah, just emailing me would be really, really easy. We don't have a specific website set up right now, but I can definitely uh, send them to different resources as well.
1: And I'm sure if they Google Dr. Aruda at uh, the, or the Ohio State University, they'll be able to find all your contact information right there. They can reach out to you and, and you will be happy to work with them.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Lasonia infection poses a major threat to pig gut health, negatively impacting performance and the ability to fend off other pathogens. Fight Lasonia at the site of infection with enterosol ileitis from Beringer Ingelheim, a convenient oral vaccine that stimulates a direct immune response. Talk to your Beringer Ingelheim representative to learn more.
1: Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Andrea, for coming on the show and and to our listeners. Thank you very much for for tuning in to the Swine Health Black Belt podcast. If you haven't been to our website, please go check it out at SwineHealthBlackBelt.com. Please subscribe to the podcast to make sure you don't miss out on not only Andrea's episode, but all of our future guests. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks, everybody. Have a great rest of your day. Hey, everyone. We're always searching for the latest and greatest research to share each week. If you have a swine health related research trial and would like to come on the show to talk about it with me and share it with our audience, feel free to send an email to healthblackbeltatswineit.com and we would love to take a look at your research.